the Jerry DePoto Show, presented by Seattle Pump and Equipment on Seattle Sports Station. Well, Jerry, it was quite a week. You can say that again. <laughs> uh, I promise that I will ask questions about something other than what happened in Anaheim on Sunday, but I have a lot of questions about what happened because I'm fascinated by the whole, I mean, I love unwritten rules and baseball and all of it kind of coming together. So what is it, what is that moment like for someone in your position to watch? Are you, are you just terrified someone's going to get hurt? Or like what, what, what was that like for you? Yeah. I, I mean, you captured it with terrified. Someone's going to get hurt. It's uh, you know, it's just senseless. The whole thing is ridiculous and wildly outdated regardless of the, you know, the, the, the unwritten rules. It's, it is what it is, is in that we have suspensions to deal with and, you know, and our reactions cost us. But, you know, you're, you're in a situation where people are actually throwing things at you. And it's a, you know, that is, it's a very high charged emotional scene. And, and I'm not sure what the guys are supposed to do, frankly, in, in just walking away from people throwing at you intentionally. And it was very clear it was intentional. So, I, I think, again, I say it's outdated in that this was a more common thing in the 60s, 70s, 80s, even in the 90s. But but over the last 20, 25 years, it's found its way out of the game. And, and I think that's where it should stay. You know, it's it's it, you ask a good question. What are you supposed to do? It's something I asked a few times this week. What what are you supposed to do? What is the appropriate reaction when another team has you know, declared their intention by changing their starting pitcher for the day to a sacrificial lamb and then thrown at not just one but two of the better players on your team. I don't know what what else your team is supposed to do at that point. No, I mean, it really was, I'll call it crisis management. And it's, it's not really something you can train for. And, you know, now that the, the team, especially the guys that were at the center of it, have been through this, Maybe the next time there's a, a different reaction, but again, what, you know, once you bake in the competitive emotion, it's it's hard to determine what will happen in that moment. Which is, you know, that type of chaos that we watched on Sunday is the result of the, the irresponsible, yeah, I guess, plan coming in. Is that you can't predict what's going to happen, and as a result, you know, two players, one on either side, was injured. You know, we lost three of our better players. We're going to have to play most of the next two weeks a man short, which is a challenge. And and that's uh, you know for teams that are trying to to claw their way back into a race, it's uh, it's it's not good. And it, and it's just not good look for the game. It's again outdated and something we need to move past pretty quickly in baseball. So how do, how are you how are you supposed to pitch? to an all-time great player, as we talked about him last week, one of the greatest players who's ever played the game, who crushes specifically low fastballs, what are you supposed to do when you face him? I, I, I guess I don't understand the, the notion that we were throwing a pitch at Mike Trout or that Eric Swanson was throwing a pitch at Mike Trout. To me, is just it's, it's, I want to say absurd because I know – Eric Swanson, I know our general talk and chatter. He's trying to hit a spot up and in. And it was very clear in that inning, you know, that, that Eric, is a, he's a high fastball pitcher who was missing high. And, you know, and unfortunately one of those did sail up and in a little too high. And, you know, that's one of the perils of, of getting in the batter's box. And 
I, unfortunately, that, that moment happened, but I don't think there was any intent. And, and frankly, I would be surprised if anyone, any rational thinker, thought that there was a great deal of intent. But what we saw on Sunday was the result of, of irrational thinking. And, you know, and it escalated. And, and hopefully that's the last we see of it, because I know the next irrational thing would be letting it perpetuate and, and starting it again. It, it needs to end on Sunday and everybody can go back to to having their careers and their seasons, et cetera. So the, the only question I'll follow up there with, and only because I've heard this for some guys who played the game, is, hey, regardless of intent, if you throw near Mike Trout, you're not doing a good enough job of making sure you don't throw near one of the great guys in the game. You know, what do you, what do you make of that that sort of an argument? I don't really buy it, to be honest with you. And I, and I pissed enough in the league to know that – for the most part, if you just take the great hitters in any era and put them to the side, most of them you want to pitch them up and in or down and away. That's where the, the adage comes from. <laughs> and, you know, at the, at the end of the day, it's, again, you don't want to see what we saw on Saturday night, which is pitch sailing up and in near someone's head. That's, it, it is a dangerous thing, as we know very well on, on a couple of occasions this year. But in, in that case, I don't think there was any intent. It's... It did not. It, it didn't hit him. And you know, frankly, there aren't a lot of pitchers in the league that are that are precise in throwing those pitches up and in or down and away. Which is why players like Mike are able to feast. Talking to Jerry Depoto uh, as we do every week. You mentioned that you'll play uh, the better part of the next few weeks without a player at a time. Do, do you have more info on on what that will look like and what the suspensions will look like? Uh, well, we're we're still waiting to, for confirmation on what the suspensions will look like, but the the actual suspensions are likely to start for us as early as tonight. So, uh, you know, for the next two weeks or so, our hope is that we get a game or two knocked off each one of the the, the, the suspensions, and and I believe that's a possibility. The league is going to allow us to to stagger the suspensions so that we're not forced to play three men short even for a day and you know we'll be able to 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 run them back to back to back and you know and again it's not ideal but you can manage your way through with a 25 man roster it's a, it's a much different thing when you're trying to manage through with a 23 man roster has, has anybody and, and just 12 sorry, position players has anybody figured out what julio did to get suspended yet no no uh you know and julio like so many you know they were running around they're in a pile and there are certain things that happen, and I'm, I've already heard feedback from some that were in the middle of the mix that uh, there there were quite a few people who you know both both gave and received in that pile that that weren't cited, and and that's only due to the fact that the umpires by and large aren't in the middle of the the, the mix; they're not in the the the, the pile, mm-hmm. and they they can't see everything, and. And we, you know, by virtue of the fact that we're watching on video, can't see everything. But, you know, that being said, none of us can come up with anything on Julio. And, and uh, you know, hopefully we can get that just erased and, and Julio can, can move on. But, you know, once you've, once you've been charged, that's hard to do. Just talking about Julio, I mean, what he's done over the last couple of games, I mean, obviously the last couple of weeks, but just seeing the number of ways he can affect a game between the athletic play on Saturday night uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, two nights ago it wasn't Saturday. In my dreams, it was Saturday. A couple of couple of games ago to avoid the tag at first base, and then the home run he hit yesterday. 
he really, Jerry, he's so special. It's really, I, we're running out of words to describe him. And it's happening so early in his career. It's, uh, you know, he has incredible talent. He fills up every toolbox with, with a plus to, to elite level tool. And, and I think his greatest tool is just how much he loves the game. It really, it turns into a competitive advantage for him. And I, there's, he never has that, that well, I shouldn't say never because his career is still so young. But one of the most refreshing things about Julio is like any other player on earth, he's going to go out and he's going to take his 0 for 3 or 0 for 4. And he might take a 1 for 8. But he has a way about him where he comes back to work on the third day and he's got a smile on his face and he's working hard and he finds a way to chip in two hits and he takes a walk. And somewhere while he was going over, he makes a super athletic catch and you'd never know he was over his last eight because of the smile on his face and how much he just enjoys the moment. Mm. And what it's, it's true in, in Julio's case, it's true if you're up or down in the game. You know, he has a way of making you feel like everything is, is, is achievable. We can come back in this. Don't worry, guys. We can do it. He's, and, and I don't think that's naivety. I think it's, it's, it's just it's, it's who he is. It's a, it's a positive, emotional impact on a team every day. You know, I've had a chance to watch him in person a couple of times in the last few weeks. I've been over at the ballpark, and, and one thing that jumped out to me, and I'm certainly no expert in this, but it just sure seems like he takes excellent routes to fly balls that he truly sprints to the spot the ball's going to be, and then he's sitting there waiting for it. Um, obviously, the speed plays a factor, but I, how impressed have you been with his ability to play center field? It's pretty amazing, actually. And from a fundamental perspective, just playing the outfield, you know, he, he constantly, he's always behind the baseball. He fields it with, with the ball in front of him. He comes through it and makes accurate online throws. <laughs> he hits his cutoff, man. He throws to the right base. It's, uh, you know, those, those, those things that you usually learn over time. He just has those skills. And, and, and I want to say that those are things that, that have been like that since, since he was brought into the Mariners organization, but no, they've evolved very quickly over the last year, year and a half. And I, and, and I really think this all began for Julio with, with the, the escalation of all his peripheral non batters box skills. You know, it really began for him about the time that he went and played for, for team Dominican in the, in the Olympics. And, and he realized how close he was and how, and how great he could be. And, and his work, I guess his work patterns and, and, and focus just changed in that moment. And, and he has been, I have, for lack of a better way to put it, he has been a work animal since then. Just, he doesn't stop. And, and he, he wants to achieve greatness both for the team and, and individually. And I think it shows up in what he does every day. We were talking a little bit this morning about Jesse Winker, who obviously has looked like a different player here over the last couple of weeks. What what accounts for Jesse's turn in the last few weeks? You know, I think we talked about it a little bit last week, if memory serves. He's, you're seeing an easier swing, <laughs> and I don't know an easier way to, to express it. You know, in, in the early months of the season, and you've got a couple of things that are that are piled up. You know, a player coming to a new team, experiencing new teammates, you know, the, trying to manage through difficult weather, a difficult schedule. We could create a, a full column of potential drawbacks or negatives. And you know what we saw was you know Jesse was really trying, 
working to move the bat. And, and right now it looks just smooth and fluid and he's taking easy swings and the ball's just jumping. Mm. And some of that could have to do with the fact that it's the, the weather has warmed up. He has gotten more comfortable in, in those situations. You know, here in the last three or four days, he's, he's become a bit of a cult hero at the ballpark. <laughs> you know, it's a, there's a lightness to what Jesse's doing right now. And all the while, he took his walks and made great swing decisions. So as a result, you blink, and he went from a 580 OPS to a 700 OPS in just a couple of weeks. And, and I think that next jump is, is on the way because the at-bats have just been terrific. Well, that'd be great, obviously, and 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 just you you mentioned the cult hero stuff. Did did you know this was his personality? I mean, did you know that he was whether it's quirky or you know you guys have had a couple of moments both with Houston and then with with the Angels where he has been sort of right in the center of all of it. Did you know that that was part of the package with Jesse? We knew he was a lively personality, but the, you know, Jesse's, and we have a, a pretty fiery team <laughs> is a, the best way to put it. You know, it's a, we have a scrappy, fiery group. And, and I think Jesse's personality does fit us pretty well. And he, and he has, he has the, I guess the, the, the ability or the, the lack of fear to go out and be the front man in those moments. And, and sometimes you need that. It, you know, it's a, it, it's, he plays a role in in, in the, the the story of our team that I'm not sure anyone else quite has the you know all of those traits to play and and it is it's part of his personality and and as we talked about last week it's not something you can change he just naturally brings that to the table and and I find it to be a positive. Hey, what are you hoping to get out of Carlos Santana? You acquired him for a second time. Uh, so far, he's played more games than in the first time because you shipped him back out 10, 10 days later. Uh, what, what's the goal behind Carlos Santana? You know, we, we just don't know how long Ty's going to be out. And, and I expressed all of this to Carlos when I spoke to him on the phone on Monday morning. You know, and the first thing I said to him was, I promise this time you'll get a couple of the bats. <laughs> He's, uh, you know, Carlos had a great career. He is uh, it truly the, the, in the world of, the, the three true outcomes, especially the ability to dominate the strike zone. Carlos is one of the best players of his generation in managing the strike zone. He's, he, he, he is on base. And as we go through this and not knowing when Ty will be back or if Ty will be back and really having had a difficult time, you know, getting productivity out of the, the DH position while we go through this, you know, what has become of just a barrage of injuries to, to some of our more impactful hitters, Carlos gives us an experienced hitter who's been on a bit of a bender for the last month. You know, as the overall numbers look pretty average-ish, but at the end of the day, you know, for the last month or so, Carlos has been, I think, one of the top five players in Major League Baseball and, and on base, along with Jesse Winker. And, you know, we've seen he's he's raised his monthly OPS up to about a thousand, you know, or something thereabouts uh, coming into joining the Mariners. So all the things that Carlos has always done, he is showing signs that he's doing again. He's a very good defensive first baseman. And I think that showed up yesterday for us uh, or the night before Mm -hmm. and, and kind of saved us a game. And, and the veteran know-how, you know, it's something we haven't had a ton of. And as we've transitioned from our 2021 group to our 2022 group, and, you know, now adding guys like Carlos, having Justin Upton on the club, 
bringing in some some veteran experience while we need to get over this bridge i i think is the right thing to do and and you know get carlos in the mix while he's going hot and, and see if he can help us out uh just to follow up on ty france because it, it didn't sound great the way you were talking about him there how, how concerned are you about his ability to make his way back uh, I, I don't really have the, the skill set to determine how concerned to be but you know i do know that he experienced a very real injury and and Ty's a very tough player. He's a tough guy. I know he's in there working his tail off. And I would suspect that we will see Ty back in the lineup before most guys would get back. That's just his, again, it's his personality. And, and you don't change that. But, you know, he did experience a pretty significant injury. And and from the seat that I sit, you know, we are we are something closing in on about halfway through our season. We're about five and a half games back of a playoff spot. And this is a pretty critical stretch of schedule that we're in between now and the all-star break. And with no Mitch Hanniger, with no Kyle Lewis, with no Ty France, now with no Taylor Trammell, with no Tom Murphy, it, we, we felt like we needed to do something. And, uh, and if Ty comes back and joins sooner than later, then we, we get the advantage of doubling down and having the combination of, of Ty and Carlos Santana between first base and DH. But we really don't have any timeline on, on any of those players, truth be told. So, you know, adding adding to our mix was required for us to get through. You, you mentioned, you know, all of those guys and all the injuries, especially with Trammell going down. Was there any thought to bringing Kelnick up at that point? No, you know, we are committed to, to solving the, 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 the career development of Jared Kelnick. And I think you've heard that in my voice. It's Jared is an extremely talented player and, you know, and through no fault of his own with a missed season and, and what, you know, frankly, pointing the, the, the glass at, at me or ourselves was probably a, a quick trigger on bringing him to the big leagues in the first place before he, he solved some of, you know, the developmental challenges that we want to see him solve this time before we put him in the big leagues. And, you know, what's happening on the surface is performance right now in AAA has been excellent. He's working hard. He knows what he needs to focus on, and and we're in no rush to bring him back until we see that happen. So, so what? Are, I'm heading down there today. I'm going to go watch him and and talk to him before the game today because I, I I find him to be such a fascinating character and a thoughtful kid and and all of that. What is he working on right now? What is what does he need to show you? We're going to leave that between Jared and the Mariners. <laughs> There's no need for us to to, to make that a, a focal point of what happens with him every day. Okay. Um, so I'll go down and I'll, I'll see if I can drag it out of him. I'm something tells me I won't. Something tells me that if it's between him and the Mariners, that's the way it's, uh, it's supposed to be. I, I enjoyed watching Sam Haggerty yesterday, not just because of, uh, the Godfather walk-up music, which is classic and great. Um, but because he just seems like a different kind of player. Is there, I'm not sure exactly how to ask this, but is there value to be found in guys who maybe don't have the highest exit velocity in baseball, but find other ways to get on base, to get hits, and then affect the game through through other means? Well, it, it, everybody has a certain way that they can impact the game. And, you know, Sam actually has impact ability. It, Sam's perhaps our best base runner. You know, he, maybe he and Dylan Moore. Uh, they're outstanding when they get on the bases. The decisions they make, their, their, their base-stealing instincts and ability – and, you know, the, the ability to advance multiple bases at a time. Uh, 
Sam brings that skill to the table. And, and when he gets on base, we can make things happen. And, you know, it's a contact ability is a skill and, and on base is a skill. And, you know, we, we don't have, we're not six deep, eight deep and guys who can hit the ball over the fence with any regularity, but you can build depth like we have with, with a player like Sam who can get on base and he can make things happen. And he's versatile enough to play a number of different positions and, you know, it makes him kind of an ideal utility player at the big league level. And for us to score runs and for us to score runs in, in bulk, we have to be on base. And yesterday we saw moments where we started to get the big hit when runners were on base. And, and that's something that's, that's been, you know, a problem for us throughout the course of the year. But we're going to just double down on guys that can get on base, create contact, and move around the bases because it's really hard to go out and find the, that power element. When you find so much power on the IL right now, it's a, you can't go replace all of that. It's a, Carlos can do some of it, but by and large, the way you're going to get through the, the, the tough, the, the valley of, of injured players is just by getting on base more and creating action and playing small ball. And those are areas where Sam Haggerty excels. Jerry, thank you. As we said, it's been a pretty crazy, interesting uh, week um, and just certainly entertaining and providing us plenty of stuff to talk about. So enjoy the fourth and I'll talk to you next week. Oh, you got it, Mike.